Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Well, good morning. My name is Cindy Porter. I'm one of the pastors here at the Valley. In case we have not met yet, um, I want to welcome everybody watching online today. Online church, we are so glad you're with us. Um, so the Valley has, it's, we're one church, but we are three campuses. Or I should say we're two campuses and one is on the way. Uh, we have a campus in, the, in Troy, Ohio, then we have our Piqua campus, and then this fall of 2023, we're going to have a campus in Sydney, and I am so excited about that. Wayne and I will be the campus uh, leaders over there. We're gathering our launch team. There's a lot of people excited. Uh, people are slipping into the roles that God has been talking to them about to lead in the various ministries. It just, it's going amazing, and I am so excited. One of the things that I was praying about, um, well, we're going to be at the Y, if, if you didn't know that, um, the YMCA in Sydney, it's closed on Sundays, and so we have the entire facility, and that's just been a huge yay God. And one of the things I was praying about was an office in the Sydney area so that I can just be immersed in the community. And so the YMCA had an office for me. I was so excited. I spent a day there last week. Um, I, don't, I just went in, me and the laptop. I, don't, I haven't moved in or anything, but it's up on the second floor, and right outside my door is a walking track. And um, I, I go into my office this week, and I'm like so excited to be there, and I, I can hear people walking. So I went out, and I just stood in the doorway of my office, and I looked out, and there's people walking the track, and then right below me is a big gymnastics area, and they had cardio drumming going on, and they're doing Abba's queen, dancing queen. And I am just like thinking, I have the best office ever. I mean, could that get any better? I'm in the office and we had a, a Zoom staff meeting and you can hear Abba in the background. And I'm like, yeah, my office is better than your office. Um, just teasing. But anyway, uh, when I was standing there and I'm looking at the cardio drumming class going on and I'm watching the walkers on the track, I just felt the Holy Spirit just came over me and God said to me, you are standing on holy ground. You know that? It's just going to be this place, this opportunity that God is going to use um, in the coming years and we're just so excited to be there. And so I just covered your prayers. Those of you, some folks are going to Sydney and others are committed to praying for us and giving and resourcing the mission. And so I just covered your prayers and I just ask that you keep praying. Uh, Donnie said uh, in between services when he heard that story, he was like, hey, um, cardio drummers, you should be watching for your drummer. So he's thinking I should watch this exercise class because, you know, they take a big exercise ball with drumsticks and they do the, he's like, you may find a drummer for the worship team. So we'll be doing that. All right, well, Happy New Year. I will say Happy New Year probably all the month of January because January is our, you know, the start of a new year. And I was wondering this week, and you're probably like useless information, I'm not interested, but I was wondering this week if you ever wondered where did New Year's resolutions originate? Like how did we start this, right? 
Because we definitely started something, right? Um, well, it originated like a long, long time ago. The ancient Babylonians, they began this practice of making New Year's resolutions. Now, they didn't call it that. They called it promises. They worshipped pagan gods. And so every year, they would promise the gods that they would pay off their debt and they would uh, give back if they took something from somebody. So it was kind of all wrapped up in, um, you know, finances and such. And so they would pray and they would tell the God uh, that they, they believed that the God would bless them in the upcoming year if they paid off their debt and they made their debts right by other people. And then fast forward a little bit, the Romans adopted the practice. And uh, they did it a little bit different, though. They changed the date to January, the first of the year, because they had a God named Janus. And this God had a, one head but two faces, right? Really weirdo. And so the, the face forward was facing the new year, and the face in the back, of course, was looking at the past. And so they prayed to the God of Janus. They worshipped this God, and they would um, tell this God that they would make better choices in their life. They would do better. They, you know, they believed that if they kept their promise, then the God would favor them in the upcoming year. But if they didn't keep their promise then, of course, they would fall out of his favor. And so I was looking at some statistics, and I wondered, what were the top three um, resolutions that we made last year in 2022? And so don't show it yet up on the screen. I want you just to shout out to me, what do you think the top New Year's resolutions are? Okay, all right, let's look at them. They are exercise more eat healthier, and lose weight. You all got it right. I think back in the day, lose weight was number one. This is in order, but I think we started figuring out that if we want to lose weight, we probably got to exercise more and eat healthier, right? So those were the three for 2022. And I was thinking about this because it's really good to set goals, right? I am all for goal setting. I, I don't make New Year's resolutions because I stink at it, okay? But I think it's great. I like to hear what other people's goals are and their resolutions are. We make them for our physical health. We set goals for our financial health. We set goals for mental and emotional health, all kinds of things. I had a friend, or I have a friend, who um, posted on Facebook this week that he was setting his New Year's resolution, and it was to read more. I'm like, that is a good resolution. He wants to read more. So then he said, I'm going to set the subtitles on the TV. <laughs> yeah, he will keep that one, won't he? That's one that he wins. He's, he'll, he'll make that goal. It's probably the only one he's got. So New Year's resolutions, I think they're so popular to us because it's like hopeful. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I, I, I feel hope when I set them. It's like a clean slate. I get to start over. Um, it's an opportunity to make things right or to get things right. And yet, today is January 8th, and my guess is a lot of resolutions have already been tossed. I would say by day eight, there's a whole lot's already like done. Because we start off hopeful, right? We start off with good intentions, but we quickly realize that setting the goal, 
Making the resolution, that's the easy part, right? I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to pray more often. Um, it, you might even have yours. This is a really great one. I'm going to attend church regularly every Sunday. I'm not going to hit and miss like I usually do, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go as, as much as I can. And I don't know why, but for me, anytime I decide that I'm going to start eating healthy, I decide to start that on a Monday morning. It's always Monday morning. It's not Tuesday or the day of. It's always Monday morning. And Sunday night, I have got to tell you, I am hopeful. I'm pumped. I'm sort of braggy about it. Like Sunday night, I have resolved that I am going to eat well for the rest of the week. I am going to do this thing. I can do this thing. And by 10 a.m. on Monday morning, I am eating a donut and drinking a latte. Because that's just what happens to me. And I tell myself, don't be hard on yourself. You can start next week. I never say this afternoon or like start at lunch, I always say, you can start next week. According to statistics, 80% of New Year's resolutions are abandoned by Valentine's Day. Anybody relate to that? Right? I want to share a vulnerability with you today, something that hit me hard as I was looking in at all of this. Um, when I feel like I, well, I just felt like a failure, to tell you the truth. I have journaled for decades, so I'm pretty consistent with it, but I have a little book, and, and I just journal. And Wayne and I moved to Sydney last month into our house, and we had, like, boxes and boxes of stuff, and I'm going through it all, and I find all these old journals, and I got the last seven years out, and I start reading through them. And I noticed this pattern that I had not thought about. And the pattern is that there was this one thing in my life that I really want to be different. I really want it to change. And I looked, and I had written this down for seven years. Every year, I wrote this down. And now, seven years later, when I looked at it, I realized I have not even come close to meeting that goal. And it was really discouraging. And I bet some of you feel like that, right? There's something in your life that you try and try, and it gets discouraging. Why do some people hit their goals and some people don't? It's the principle of practice. It's the principle of practice. And the word practice is a verb. Today's uh, sermon, the title of our message today is The Power of Practice, because there is this power when we practice something. And the verb means to repeat an action. To practice means you just repeat the same action over and over and over. For a lot of us, when we do that, now listen, that can be, that practice can be good, right? Or it can be really detrimental to us or to other people, just depends on what we're practicing. Um, but that practice has a power to it to create habits which leads us to the thing that we are searching for. Growing up, uh, my dad was a pastor of a little church, a little church on a corner in a little tiny neighborhood. 
And one of the things that was really frustrating to him was on Sunday mornings, sometimes he didn't have a piano player, a pianist for worship. He did, there was no bands and, and worship teams or any of that, and he, he, but he had someone who would play the piano. And so he never knew he'd come in on Sunday and they didn't show up or, or whatever it was. So he, my parents had this great idea. They had this great idea. They're thinking, we have this daughter me. And she can play the piano for the church services. And it is a great idea, except I don't know how to play the piano, right? That doesn't stop my dad because he's got a goal. So he goes out and he hires a piano teacher. He buys a piano. He buys all the instruction books and he pays for the weekly lessons and week after week for five years he drops me off at this lady's house for 30 minutes to practice to learn how to play the piano. Five years later, I could not play one hymn in that hymn book. It was a great goal, it was a great um, idea, but it didn't work out because no matter how much my dad wanted to have a pianist, no matter how well the teacher taught me, I never devoted myself to practice in the piano. I hated it. I did everything in the world to get out of it and to not have to do it. And so I never became a pianist. You see, a goal is just a great idea without the right practices in our life. Let's look at that again. A goal is just a great idea. My dad, bless his heart, he just had a great idea, right? Because I did not have the right practice in my life. I was not going to become a piano player. If I had devoted myself to practicing that piano, I may have become a pianist. You form your practices... And then your practices form you. Again, if they're good practices or not so good practices, what you do over and over and over and over forms you. It forms you. We're going to be in the Old Testament today, so if you've got your Bibles with you, you're going to grab them. And um, the Old Testament is the front half of the Bible. Okay, we're going to be in Daniel, so go to the Old Testament and then go over a ways. Um, if you've got your phone apps, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to have some of the scriptures on the screen for you as well. We're going to look at the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Now, this whole um, series on resolve, we're looking at the life of Daniel, so we're getting a lot of the cool stories that you may have heard when you were a kid, um, and today is the lion's den. We learned last week that Daniel was taken into captivity. Uh, he went into exile when he was just a teenager, we're, we're guessing he's like 15 to 17, and the Babylonians have taken them, they, they, took, they went in waves, like three different waves. They deported these people from their homes into their country, into Babylon. And today, just FYI, Babylon is, is today is the current Iraq. And ever since Daniel has been taken into exile, we know that he has served the kings. He has been placed in the court, um, and kings have come and gone, and he has served them. And at the end of chapter 5, as you're reading Daniel, you'll see that a transition of power has occurred, okay? The Babylonians, 
Yeah, they, they've, they've been overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. And so in chapter 6, King Cyrus the, of the Persian Empire and Darius of the Median Empire are now the dudes who are in power. They're now the new kings that Daniel has to answer to. Now, here's something I want to point out to you. Gr- up, well, up until recently, I always just picture Daniel in the lion's den like the little kids' books of being this young Daniel, right? Daniel was 80 years old when they threw him in the lion's den. So as we read this story today, you sort of got to reset your mind. He has been serving in exile, and I think that's another important part of this story to keep in mind. It wasn't like... Um, Daniel was this young 20-something, and he's thrown into the lion's den. He is 80 years old when they do this to him. And he's been serving these kings after king after king for all of these years in a country that is not his own. Think how difficult that would be. Think how easy it would be to give in or give up, right? So let's start with Daniel 6, and let's look at verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Okay, so a satrap is a governor. Okay, so they've got 120 governors who are going to now... um, oversee the kingdom they chose three men who are going to oversee the governors and the governors are now accountable to these three men it's much like a corporate restructure right got a new boss in town everything gets changed everything's going along you think swell and boom now we're going to do it all differently and so that's what they've done now daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Okay, so they're probably thinking, number one, we don't want to take orders from this old man, right? But underlying all of that is envy and power and jealousy, right? When they had three guys overseeing them, that's a different story. But now this one man is going to receive all of this power, and they don't want, they want that power. They don't want Daniel to have it. goes on to say they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. So he did his job well. They couldn't find a thing wrong with him. Wouldn't that be awesome if we went to work and the people around us said, we can find nothing Um, wrong with the integrity of their work. Wouldn't that be cool? Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now they're honing in, right? They're getting personal. Now that they could find no fault in Daniel, comes as no surprise to you and I, right? Because since chapter 1, we've been reading about Daniel, and we've been reading about his integrity. We've been reading about his consistent behavior. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and they said to him, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, and advisors and governors have all agreed. See, they've come together. That the king should issue an edict and 
edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. See, they're wrapping this up tight, right? In accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And so King Darius put the decree in writing. And the trap is set. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. That's his hometown. Three, three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And I don't want us to overlook those last six words. They're pretty inconsequential. You might have blown past him in the past, just as he had done before. He didn't panic. He didn't think to himself, <laughs> I don't really have a choice here if I want to live tomorrow. He didn't go into any type of bartering process. He didn't try to get political parties on his side or talk or start all of that. He didn't say, you know, God, how much would it be okay if I just did this one time? What, what if I pray to him and, you know, what if I stop praying to you just for 30 days and then I'll come back to you? He didn't do any bartering. He didn't... Um, trash the people who are accusing him. He didn't try to run away. I thought to myself, what would you do in that situation, Cindy? And I thought, I'd probably run, right? I'd probably try to get out of town. It says that Daniel just did what he always had done. So what is it that Daniel had always done? Daniel had developed practices in his life. He's 80 years old. All through his life, over and over and over, he has taken actions and practiced spiritual disciplines in his life. Prayer tells us that three times a day he would pray. Three times a day, week after week, year after year. Reminding me of what Donnie said earlier about how much time do we give God? Do we give him that 14 minutes, that one hour a day, what, what do we give him, the one hour a week, what do we give him? He had a consistent prayer life. He had trained himself that when he prayed and when he was seeking the heart of God, that he always went with a heart of thanksgiving, a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude when he prayed. He would always give thanks, no matter the circumstances, because look at his circumstances. I imagine that he did consistent study of the word. He worshiped God in his life over and over and over. And I thought about what is our response when trouble comes our way? What's our response when grief hits us? What's our response when um, you feel threatened? What's your instinct? What's your go-to? when you're feeling that you're mistreated or you're under some pressure to conform? 
What do you do when your heart's broken or you're feeling overwhelmed? All the emotions, right? Fear and grief and anger and sadness and betrayal. All the, ang- all the emotions. What is our go-to? What do we do? When Daniel faced adversity, this is, for me, the moral of the story. Daniel didn't learn to trust God when he was sitting there in the lion's den. Daniel didn't develop his faith. It wasn't made strong when he was sitting there with a couple of lions next to him. The spiritual endurance to withstand the lion's den is formed long before entering the lion's den. Let's read that again. The spiritual endurance to withstand the lion's den is formed long before entering the lion's den. Your response to those lion's den moments in your life, that's what I like to call them, when trouble comes our way, when the lion's den is facing us, the threat of it, it won't be determined by what you think you'll decide once you get into it, okay? But by whether you right now in your life, when you're not faced with the lion's den, what are you doing? What are your practices? What are your habits? What are your consistency? Where is your consistency at? That's when it gets determined how you will respond when you get put in the lion's den. It made me think of what happened last week. On Monday, I'm sure many of you saw on NFL um, when the football player, Damar Hamlin, went into cardiac arrest on the field. I mean, it was heartbreaking to watch, wasn't it? He went into cardiac arrest and he fell to the ground. People rushed around him and began uh, applying CPR to him. And everybody, the game stopped, it never resumed. And, and that's what everybody was focused on was Damar Hamilton. And what struck me later was another story in conjunction with this story. And it was ESPN's um, Dan Orlovsky, and I'm going to say Dan because I'm probably, you know, butchering his last name. So this ESPN commentator, who's also a retired NFL player, he is commentating during a live NFL ESPN show. Millions of people are watching, and he lifts up an impromptu, unscripted, right then and there, he just stops, he says, we're going to pray for him. And he prayed. And in his prayer, he said this, if we believed that prayer didn't work, he's talking to God, okay? He says, if we believed that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. And I thought to myself, I looked him up, I wanted to know who is this guy. And it didn't, you know, it hit me, his name's Dan too. Anybody named Dan out there? (laughs) His name is Dan, and I thought he's an NFL, retired NFL player. He's a commentator for ESPN Live. But the thing that pops out when you read about him, what comes up first is he first is a follower of Jesus Christ. He once said, I'm a walking representation of having a relationship with God that on a, and catch this part, day-to-day basis lifts me up. He he refers to his day-to-day basis 
with God, his day-to-day relationship, his day-to-day interaction with God, his day-to-day practices to chase after the heart of God. And I thought to myself, it doesn't seem to matter that he was live on ESPN. It doesn't seem to matter that he, they could have cut right to commercial when he started that. It didn't seem to matter to him that there might be backlash on social media for doing such a Christian thing. It didn't seem to matter to him that he might get reprimanded, reprimanded or get fired. He just did it because that's who he was. And that told me a whole lot about this Dan, that he, like Daniel, apparently had this consistent day-in and day-out practices of turning to God. Faithful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Faithful people will do over and over again what other people will just do every now and then. And that's what makes the difference. And that's what gives the power of practicing spiritual disciplines. So back to the Daniel story. So these men, they get this law passed. They decide we've set the trap. Now we've got him, right? Because they too have learned that this is a man who does, he practices prayer. And so they find Daniel praying and asking God for help. And they think we've got him right where we want him. This is perfect. He's been caught in the act. So they go and they tell the king, and the king has him thrown into the lion's den. And then the night passes, and the next day, the king goes to Daniel, and there he is. He's alive. Not even a scratch. And the king is just bewildered. He's like, how did this happen? And Daniel says, my God came, and he shut the mouths of the lions. And the king then orders the men who falsely accused Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. And I didn't chuckle at that because it's terrible, but on one hand, I did think, can you imagine those lions? Like, they are mad, right? They have been sitting there with their mouths closed for hours, and they are hungry. So I imagine it was not a pretty sight. And the king issues a decree that everybody in the kingdom... Everybody is to worship the one true God. The actions of Daniel, the day-to-day, in and out, things that don't look big to anybody else, changed a kingdom. And it lasted that way for the whole length of the time they reigned, that they were to worship the God of Daniel. This is what verse 28 tells us at the end. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The practices you build in your spiritual life are not only going to pay off in eternity, but they also pay off in this life. I know for me, because of my lack of practicing the piano, I never became a pianist. And I know for me that I may start every Monday morning over trying to eat healthy, but this I have resolved. I've made a resolution that I'm going to consistently pursue the heart of God, day in and day out, as best as I can. A a lot of people, um, they don't like to make New Year's resolutions, but uh, maybe you've heard of this, they have a word for the year. They get a word for the year, it might be intentional, it might be persistent, it might be strength, and it's all good, and then they 
strive to practice that word throughout the upcoming year. And I was thinking about that because I got asked this week, well, what's your word, Pastor Cindy, for the year? I said, Jesus. It was my word three, four years ago. It was my word last year. It's going to be my word this year, and it's going to be my word next year. Because I know that only Jesus, right? Only Jesus. And I was thinking... What if we ask ourselves this question, what if in this new year we would completely devote ourselves to spiritual practices, the spiritual disciplines just over and over and over, the things that would position you and I to become who and what God created us to be? What if we just focused on that this year? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How do I pursue the heart of God? And all that other stuff will fall into place. Jesus consistently devoted himself to spiritual practices when he was here on this earth. So what if we just do what Jesus did? So I wrote some of them down. How is my prayer life? Daniel knew that he was devoted to pray three times a day, every week, over and over. And he did that. It wasn't legalistic. He did that to connect to the heart of God. At least 25 times in the Gospels, it records Jesus praying. So what if we just do what Jesus did? He prayed. Am I reading the Bible like I should be? Am I reading the Bible in such a way that it's transforming me? I'm not just taking in information, but there's transformation in my life because I'm reading it. Studying Scripture, that was a big part of Daniel's life. That was a big part of Jesus' life. How about this one? Do I serve others? In Mark 10, 45, Jesus said his goal in coming to this earth was not to be served, but to what? To serve. To serve others. How is my generosity? How's my giving with my resources, my finances, my time? You know, um, I shared this in the first service that Wayne and I, there was a, a time in our life when we were up to our eyeballs in debt. And we began to practice giving. We began to practice giving 10% of our income. And when, then when we started doing that, then we started practicing giving above and beyond And I have to tell you, I don't know how this happened. I've shared this story in length before, um, so maybe you'll hear it again someday, but I do not know how this happened. It was God's economy. It was just God's math, but in 18 months, we were debt-free. You see, God honored our generosity. He honored our giving. And I always think about, he gave everything to us. And we just want to be like him, so just do what Jesus did. I want to practice fasting more this year. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we read that he did a 40-day fast. Honestly, I have never done a 40-day fast. I've, you can fast a day. You can fast a lunch or dinner. You can fast a week. Uh, I fasted 21 days. It about killed me, but mm, I did it. Jesus, when he had a, he knew he had a big ministry. It was starting, right? His public ministry was starting a big ministry, so he did a big fast. And you know, it made his body weak, but it made his spirit strong. Tomorrow we begin a church-wide fast. It's called Seek Him First. 
We're going to fast as a church for seven days. We invite you to join us doing that if you'd like to. Um, For details, uh, we're going to do the Daniel fast. You can go online and read about that. You can go on the church website and our social media. There's links to help you learn what it is, how to do it. Out in the uh, atrium, there is a table set up, and I love it because there's a thing like, what is a Daniel fast? There's another sheet, just what is fasting? It sounds weird to me, right? But there it is. It'll tell you what it's all about. Then there's even some tools that will help us know how to fast. There's scriptures and devotions that will help us because the fasting is about, you know, laying off the food, withdrawing from the food, uh, or eating certain things and not being so caught up with planning meals and cooking meals and food and food and food, but it, and using the time that you would spend on the food, just time spent in prayer. So we have devotions that will help you with that. You see, you form your practices, and then your practices form you. You form your practices, and then your practices form you. Now, here's the thing I want to leave you with this morning. I read a lot about Daniel, this prophet Daniel, and he just, he sounds so perfect, right? Daniel was not perfect. Daniel was just consistent. I bet there were times Daniel didn't always do the thing, just like you and me. But he was consistent. So I just want to encourage you this. This is an encouragement. You ready? You're going to mess up. When we, when we say that I want to do what Jesus did, I want, to, I want to have a stronger prayer life, or maybe I'm going to resolve to chase after God's heart by getting into his word and finding out really who he is and learning more about him, I want to fast, I want to, whatever it is that you feel God's calling you to do, you're going to mess up, you, you will miss. And so I just want to encourage you to plan on that so you don't give up. Because that's what we do, right? We're like, oh, wow, I I was reading the one-year Bible. I've done this before. I'll be reading the one-year Bible, and I'm like, oh, I'm already a week behind. Well, forget it. I'll just try next time they do it. No, I don't do that. I started the one-year plan on January 1, and today's January 8th, and I am two days behind. I encourage you just to start on today. You don't even have to catch up the, the ones you missed. Just get back on today and keep reading, because that is consistency. Don't give up, just start again. So maybe you want to trust God with your finances this year. You want to trust him um, serving. Maybe you started serving earlier this year in the church or in some type of ministry and and you fizzled out or whatever. You're too embarrassed to go back and pick it back up. Just, Just go pick it back up. Just go pick it up and get started. Let's make... 2023, a year that we resolve that we're going to chase after the heart of God. Because I promise you, all the other stuff will fall into place. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for men and women in the scriptures like Daniel that show us the way. I thank you for your son that you sent because you wanted this relationship with us. It is all you've ever wanted is to be with us and in relationship with us. And God, we have rebelled and turned our back and we want our self stuff. And you just keep calling us to you. So Lord, I just pray right now if there's anybody in this room, anybody listening online, 
that have not surrendered their life to you, Lord, I pray they do that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. They could see how good you are. The world paints you as bad, but oh God, you are so good. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to resolve whatever areas in our life, in our spiritual practices, Lord. You give us the courage and the whatever it takes, Lord. God, encourage us. I just pray you'd help your people, Lord. May we be a people that just chase after your heart. I pray a blessing over your people this morning. God, you know their needs. You know they've walked through this door with hurt and pain and grief and maybe frustration or anger, bitterness. I don't know what it all is, Lord, but you know exactly, and I pray, Holy Spirit, they would feel your presence with them right now in such a strong way. And for those of us, Lord, if life's going good right now, I pray that we'd not turn our eyes from you, but we would keep our focus on you and minister to those around us and serve the people that we come in contact with. I just ask your blessing over your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys have a great rest of your afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives change lives.